Hello everyone and welcome to another Harvard Chat. In this segment we talk to artists and creatives to discuss their inspiration, motivations and journey into horror. Tonight we're joined by MJ Mars, an author who has been featured in numerous anthologies and publications, now releasing her debut novel, The Suffering. Evening Michelle and how are you this fine evening? Hi Colin, I'm fine, how are you? Ah grand, grand, starting to heat up a bit here, I'm like, had to relent and put the fan on and just <sighs> given the fact that I'm old and fat and subject to the elements. <laughs> no, it's on. boiling here as well. Oh, man. But of all the weekends, I'm surprised we didn't get one of them warnings to go, oh, it's sunny, ah, you're all going to die. Yeah, no horse pack man yet. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Ah, fun time. So how's life treating you? How are you getting on? Really good, yeah. It's been a, a bit of a crazy couple of months um, because the book only came out in February and mm-hmm. it's, it's just been insane. So, yeah, it's... a gone in a way that I never would have dreamed so it's been fantastic. Is it, you're through Small House Publisher aren't you? Um, was it uh, Wicked yeah, Press? It's Wicked House that Wicked I'm House. I knew it was at something house. Yeah. <laughs> so I forgot to write it down. I have, I have a memory like I said if I don't write things down I lose it. It's all right don't you worry. That's um, why you're no. here to keep me right. Yeah <laughs> they've been brilliant so yeah I'm really really lucky to have been taken by them because they, they are absolutely fantastic so recommended. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for reaching out. Good. Um, um, this set segment kind of starts and stops. You know, people get involved all at once, and then kind of drifts off. Then people get involved again. That's part of the fun. So we're not like always chasing people and forcing people to come on. It's kind of organic, which is cool. We're not relying and just pushing for guests every week. So when we do do these things, it's uh, it's good to have a chat, and um, both parties are you know up for it. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So. I take it from February, you've been involved in a lot of self-promotion, which generally is every author's worst nightmare. Yes, mine too. It's uh, it's frightening and scary. And you also just feel like um, you're annoying people as well, because, you know, when you're constantly on your Facebook, just uh, like, oh, there's this, there's that. Please leave a review. Please do this. Please do that. And you just feel like you're bugging everybody on your friends list. And um, so, yeah, but you have to do it. It's, it's a part of the job, especially nowadays, because there just aren't the teams of people you know to do the promotion like they used to be but I mean it's so accessible now that you can do it yourself and um you know social media and and the podcasts and things like that have just made doing it so much easier so yeah it's it's brilliant I try to tell a lot of authors because um so many people are reticent this this wee circle thing here is so frightening it's like (laughs) oh no I'm going camera it's like you're not being judged it's just a chat yeah and if people get to know you and not just oh, buy my book, you know, just find out what you're about. That's how you get fans and people get more intrigued about your work. And I've been trying to pass that message along as in don't get so bogged down with the, the promotion, if that makes sense. Mm. Yes. But just put yourself out there and talk to people. Definitely. Yeah. Just joining group chats and um other people who love horror books and things like that it makes such a difference because you can just start a conversation about the books that you like it doesn't have to always be talking about your book all the time um you know if you just get in a Stephen King chat or you know a Dean Koontz chat or whoever mm-hmm. you like um and then you just end up interacting with people who are going to like your your stuff as well so it's it's really nice nice community I'm guessing that you're, sorry, excuse me, I, I did warn you before, sorry, unless I've got this weird cough at the moment, and it's uh, oh. uh, <coughs> dying on camera. Really, really professional setup here, as you can tell. It's okay. <laughs> um, 
But do you find that your influences, what you watch and read yourself in horror, has kind of shaped what you create? Mm-hmm. Do you try to do something different from what you like or be inspired by it and carry along the same vein? What, what's your kind of thought process with Yeah, well, I always say that one of my earliest influences was, um, do you remember the League of Gentlemen comedy horror show? Um, oh, well- yes. This is a local bar or local exactly, shop. Exactly, yeah. I'm a, a change up. That's been <laughs> yeah. like a spell. Oh, is this a local bar for local people or is this a, <laughs> exactly. a local whatever oh man that show was sick I loved it oh it was brilliant and it was just when I was like a teenager so you know you're like a sponge then aren't you You're just taking everything in and I just thought I'd never seen that kind of um you know the humanity of it having the the comedy and the horror mixed together um it just kind of gave it another level so I mean the suffering isn't a comedy book but there are comedy elements in um and I just think it helps you know to sort of empathize with the people a bit more if there's sort of you know the cracking jokes or if they're seeing the funny side in a terrifying situation I think there's something very human about that and you kind of really relate to it um and so they have always been a big influence um because they've gone on to do inside number nine as well um which has the same kind of thing the twists and turns in it you never really know <laughs> next kind of thing and um, so they've been a huge influence. Um, Richard Lehman as well. I don't know if you read Richard Lehman um, very um, much. No, not thinner. Okay. It's, well, what's he all about then? Well, he was um, he was quite big um, back in sort of like the nineties, um, and it was more splatterpunk. So it was a bit um, a bit more kind of blood spatter and and mm-hmm. gore everywhere than than Stephen King and books like that that were a little bit more maybe psychological and. Um, went down a different path but when I was first discovering horror um, reading him was just so eye-opening and so much fun I think that's the thing I I wanted to do something that kind of had that feeling of fun and that you know you get sucked into the book and and you're just enjoying the characters and the scenario and you know if there's a super gory scene or something insane happens you know when you just read it and you like laugh out loud because you just kind of shocked I think um he definitely introduced me to that kind of feeling um mm. I hope sort of comes across in the suffering a few times as well so yeah big big influ- influence but that's kind of the point you need the moments of levity mm-hmm. because then that's when the horror creeps in and becomes more impactful or if it's all just um I reviewed movies ad nauseum that's another thing we do is rip apart movies this, but there's one in particular yeah. I can't remember his name now but it was just doing dreaded music throughout every single scene <laughs> There's one I review with Steve. God, that one with um, Helen Hunt in it. Oh, I see you. Oh, um, yes. God, every single scene was yeah. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> to the point you just got bored. You're like, and nothing was happening. Yeah, and there's no and then, downtime. So you just, you lose it, don't you, completely? Yeah, and you just, you just become immune. And it's like, no, you exactly. need that. It's the same with sex and horror as well. You need that better, hee oh, you know, because them and yeah. the... Then when it kicks in, like the slasher movies, you're like, oh, because you just get titillated and then you're like, I oh, just get the other emotion. <laughs> and that's exactly. uh, that's kind of good storytelling as well, which I don't think people appreciate. The level of storytelling has to go into ma- horror to make it good. Yeah. Yeah, One I thing agree. I want to challenge in this podcast is that notion of horror as a throwaway genre. It's mm-hmm. sub-basement. Tra- you know, way the other, um, if you've ever went in a mixed writer's group, 
like with different genres. Um, yeah. Ooh, horror. Ooh, 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 horror. Yeah. Ooh. And they, they tend to be the nastiest people you can imagine, like comedy yeah. writers and flipping robots writers. Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, yeah. you've got us weirdos are just like laughing and joking. Well, yeah. It's one of the gory things. It's like we're the geeks and goths that were kind of shunned at school and people are looking down on us. But, you know, we know what we're doing. We, we yeah, can play with which, the big boys. Um, <laughs> which makes me wonder why the outrage mob decided to try and come in the R genre. And then it fell flat. They tried it with a couple of movies to bring their nonsense in the R world. like, yeah, who are you talking to? Yeah, we've been here long before you. We are the weirdos. Exactly. You can think of it. We've it's already been in the movie. Yeah, you can't bring anything here. We look the world over for the most obscure tribe on top of a hill to find mm-hmm. a horror story about. So when them Muppets started coming into our world, it was like, what are you doing? Go away. <laughs> yeah, we are the weirdos, Mister. We know what we're doing. <laughs> But I think it's the same kind of thing as like... Oh, um, I think we've got one of your friends coming on here, Holly. Oh, oh. <laughs> hi, Holly. <laughs> Thanks there we so go. Let's, uh, chat's yeah. picking up already. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but like, um, I think it's the same with like graphic novels. They always get kind of like sneered at and looked down upon. And, you know, the craftsmanship that goes into making a good, um, fast-paced uh, graphic novel where the dialogue is just like three little panels on a page is just mm-hmm. the skill that goes into it and yeah it does get that same kind of you know people turn the nose up at it but it takes a lot of skill to do it so yeah, yeah and it's, yeah it's, it's always funny I always find it amusing those sort of people that like oh you're a horror writer is that all you could do and you're like come here catch a grip yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's just uh <laughs> funny but that's anyone comes on here just they get it so we're preaching the converted, let's be honest. Um, yeah. So with the, with the suffering, that's a sort of paranormal story, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So it's um, set in a haunted house um, mm-hmm. that was the scene of a seance back in the 1800s. Sort of Victorian um, time seance that went horribly wrong, is that right? Exactly, yeah. So um, this seance was like a spell of divination. So they thought that if they got five different ghosts that had different kind of characteristics... Um, then that would kind of feed into this notion of unlocking the human condition kind of thing. Um, And then they would be able to kind of tap into seeing their own futures and get sort of supernatural kind of powers. Um, So they hired... Well, Well, of course, yeah, it's very (laughs) (laughs) ill-advised. So they hire this young psychic, um, Lucius, um, who's actually a distant ancestor of one of the characters when the book begins and it's the people who are living in the student house now and so the house has been passed down and it's now like where these five students live and again like fools they decide to do the seance themselves and recreate it in 2016 because that's always a good idea as well well exactly (laughs) halloween fun times (laughs) and um, of course it brings the ghosts out again they've just kind of been lurking and waiting for the opportunity to to come out and so they latch on um because there's five ghosts and five students so they each Mm -hmm. kind of latch on to the one where the student's sort of personality or the things that they like to do is going to be most impacted by this ghost and its own characteristics. So mm-hmm. they just kind of gradually pick these students to pieces and make them extremely miserable during the course of the book. And um, then they just have to find a way of like unlocking the secrets of the original seance and then um, finding out how to banish the ghosts if they can. Yeah. <laughs> um, Did you do any uh, paranormal research for this? Or are you going strictly from a storytelling horror perspective? 
Yeah, I mean, I've always been really interested in paranormal. And uh, so there's quite a few gadgets that people, if if you're interested in, um, you know, paranormal research there's a few of the gadgets that you'll recognize um sort of like the mel meters and things like that crop mm-hmm. up in there because i love all those shows like you know ghost adventures and stuff like that where they go and explore historic places tell a bit of the history um you know do a bit of showmanship and run around in green screen going <laughs> yeah pretty much um oh, and then oh, bring so out tragic. all these gadgets <laughs> so I just, tragic I, know, I enjoy it. I just think it's so fun. Um, and so, you know, that's, uh, I've, I've just always. If, if horror had a version of American wrestling, <laughs> paranormal yes. shows would be that. Sure. Yeah. Honestly. Um, <laughs> but it's entertaining. Or, you can't or Hollywood Housewives. That's, that's horror's version of Hollywood Housewives <laughs> or American wrestling. Just, ugh. Yeah. The only thing I've found, though, that um, people are actually really into the paranormal. They have zero sense of humor. Oh, really? <laughs> they take yeah. it. So you dare crack a joke in one of their forums and you are a heretic. You are the worst of the worst. Yeah. And it's like people forget that it is actually an entertainment show at the end of the day. And so you do see that where they are taking things very, very seriously. But you have to remember the reason why they are making this show is for entertainment. So, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it it's, okay. it's... it's that ability to sort of step out and, uh, you know, realise where you are. Uh, it's like any sort of fandom or expression. Some people just get too much into the weeds. They just get your head and they can't switch off. Yeah, and can't see it from other perspectives and, yeah. you know, just get so angry about it, like you say. But, yeah, it's an interesting interesting kind of world. Um, yeah, it's fun to poke the bar sometimes, though. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I'm all those people. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't believe in the Loch Ness Monster then, I take it? <laughs> um. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, but That's I mean, I've always the, loved... There might have been something down there that, you know, couldn't have been explained, but yeah, with the technology we have, we would have found it by now. Yeah. And there's but enough I mean... people and enough millionaires of funded pet projects yes. to try. Definitely. Um, but I, like, I've always found that kind of thing so inspiring and just, I often say, and, you know, I'll probably say it in every interview that it gave me that same feeling when I was a kid that Santa did. It was like that same kind of excitement of just like, oh my goodness, you know, you're kind of looking out your curtains, just like, am I going to see this crazy thing um, on the rooftops? And it's just always giving me that bit of a rush. So I, I always enjoy it. I enjoy cryptids and monsters and, and things yeah. like that. I'll never get bored of it, I don't think. One thing um, from obviously reviewing a lot of paranormal movies and actually stories that have been featured in the show. The official policy of this channel is that ghosts are stupid. <laughs> are you following the same uh, trope or are you making your ghosts devious and intelligent? Because well, most haunted movies, the ghosts are like, oh, can't articulate. But they can move things around, they can crash things and smash things and stuff, but they can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, they write one word and it means nothing and it takes like the entire movie or the story to figure out what they actually mean. Yeah. Where if they were less of a gibbering idiot and just, <laughs> I was murdered here, he did it, she did it. Yeah. Done, would save ourselves a lot of hassle. Uh, well, my ghosts are pretty crafty, so you, you they might be able to pull a trick or two on you and uh, yeah, the... the um... I don't know I think because there is like you say when they are dumbed down it's, it is less spooky isn't it and you just think oh I'd get around that so quickly so yeah they, they are a little bit uh, sharper than your average ghost I guess <laughs> that's why my favorite um horror monster or demons 
Yes. Demons yeah. are amazing. They they just want to mess you up for the sake of it, like the Evil Dead Deadites. Yeah. So sure. the epitome of demons are just mess. They could kill you a hundred times over, but they're not. They're playing with you. Yeah, exactly. They're just for doing it because they're evil, and that's it. There's no yeah, and that's it. They get a thrill out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where when I when I encounter paranormal stuff with ghosts, I'm like, oh come on, <laughs> so just spit it out. Or what are you trying to do? Or if this person is trying to help you, why are you throwing them down the stairs? That, yeah. that always got me. Um, what do we do? The changeling not so long ago, and mm-hmm. the ghost where the guy's actively trying to help the ghost and understands what's going on is throwing them, setting fire to the house and throwing them downstairs. Like, yeah, really, that's that's gratitude. What what do you want him to do? <laughs> yeah, counterproductive. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's always been a, a thing with me that I just can't. You know where you have to suspend disbelief. I just can't do it. Yeah, when it comes to that, you know, it's always been a problem yeah i know what you mean it's uh um yeah i mean i i, I think that there's got to be different kinds of ghosts in in the media and in, in you know the different films you watch depending on what you're in the mood for like mm-hmm. uh we've all had a day where we want to watch a zombievers instead of you know something a bit heavier and <laughs> so i guess i guess it's horses for courses isn't it with the, yeah, with the ghosts that's another thing people don't appreciate and i've, I've talked about our nauseamness the horror genre is so wide-ranging in itself yeah you can stay within the horror genre and watch 20 different types of movie, mm-hmm. but still be within horror. Yeah, exactly. That's what I love about it as well. When people say, why do you write horror instead of, you know, crime or romance or whatever? And it is just the you can do literally anything like there's there is no kind of restrictions at all with horror because it is you, you can just come up with anything. You know, it's uh, it's it's kind of a really free way of writing because you know there are no limits so yeah it's a, it's a good genre to be in <laughs> yeah um just on that was actually one of the questions um when you encounter someone from outside of horror and they ask that question why do you do it or why on earth would you like that genre how do you bring them around how do you sort of convince them that it's not just slashers it's more in depth and you can get more out of it like um there are love stories told in the horror aspect there's uh like dracula is one of the, the oldest love stories let's oh, be honest yeah, yeah absolutely if you think about yeah it's dark and evil and twisted but that's what you have the cursed creature the wolf man <laughs> was saved by love you know that was the thing that prevented him from turning yeah so you have you have that aspect of it um drama futuristic you can have it in space you can have it in medieval times it doesn't matter yeah um you know what I mean? but how do, how do you sort of speak to somebody that says yeah, horror, why? Well, why do you do that? <laughs> well, I think when they're asking it from a writing perspective, as I say, you know, it, it is just that freedom and I really enjoy it. And it's kind of being able to write disgusting like scenes. You know, I, I get a rush out of it. But from um, what might it benefit for you as a reader who's never been into it before, um, I'd say, you know, you learn a lot more about, people I think through horror rather than like if it's just a romance you know you might not get into any kind of questions about you know the not to be dramatic but like the human condition and and emotional side of it whereas I think horror really does um ask those questions and um you know just takes it to a bit of a different level where you are left kind of thinking you know about either like you say you're 
beliefs about things like, oh, is this ridiculous or is it effective? Or, you know, what would I do in this situation? Mm, I probably wouldn't do that. Like, don't run upstairs, <laughs> get out the door. But, you know. Um, don't raid from the book, buy the human <laughs> flesh and rip them blood. Exactly. <laughs> and they'll still do it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think it's just that it, you can explore kind of a lot more. I think with with many different types of horror um, than than you can with with a lot of other genres, um, and you can really put yourself in the position of oh, what would I actually do in this situation? Which yeah, I think uh, yeah, I, I get a lot out of it in that way. So mm-hmm. that's how I do. Try you find and bring yourself then um, having to think more about the characters you create because. Yeah. They're going to be tested. You know, that's the whole point of the horror genre. Like, um, I've talked about this before, the brighter, the sunnier the day, the happier, the bigger the smells, the happier people are. Mm-hmm. You know it's coming. Like any horror fan goes, this is good, bad. And the happier, you know, the longer the, the idyllic, tranquil scene happens, you know it's going to be gruesome. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Things about the characters. Um, you know that they're going to face ultimate challenges and not just mm-hmm. getting killed, like paranormal like your soul's at risk so to speak you know you can be ripped to hell or another dimension so death mightn't be the end of it so yeah exactly like i've been having a conversation today in um there's a group uh online called <laughs> horror mm-hmm. and um they're, they're running discussions on um a lot of books and and the suffering's one of them and so people were asking similar questions and that and putting their opinions forward about the characters and there was a couple that stood out today with, in that kind of thing there's um one called cassie and um she's most readers really enjoyed her and engaged with her but she's one of those people who doesn't always get on with everybody so when I was writing her I was kind of aware that I wanted people to like her and be on her side but at the same time understand why a lot of people didn't so she's kind Mm -hmm. of got those that kind of multi-layered personality but it is that allowed today yeah yeah I mean she uh, she isn't like no everyone has to be like superhero or like super nice black and white (laughs) you're not allowed complex characters anymore because people get annoyed I think that's another thing where indie horror is just smashing it because you can do that and, you know, you can bring in more, you know, realistically flawed people and it isn't going to get a huge backlash of, oh, well, I don't want to read about this person. I think it, it is such a freeing kind of um, place to be in the indie horror world. It's, it's amazing because, you know, um, you don't have those restrictions and you don't have that need for things to be tied up with a neat little bow. You know, you can just mm-hmm. take it anywhere and take their characters wherever you want to and and the audience is usually pretty receptive to it so um that's that's a big plus for for the, the indie horror um but with Cassie yeah with her being such you know quite bullheaded and you know rubbing people up the wrong way uh the fiery like side that. of her comes out um <laughs> imagine being a god at all but yeah when she's facing the ghost at the end she's the one who's just like come on lads let's do this we've got to get this done Mm -hmm. um and there was another character that people were talking about today who's called jonah who's a cousin of uh, one of the guys who lives in the student house but he's like always there you know feeding and taking the stuff trying to sleep with all the girls you know just that typical person who is always at a student house but um, Mm -hmm. causing trouble you know rubbing people up the wrong way um, and uh, a lot of people were just like, oh, yeah, I knew he was going to be like the cannon fodder because of the way he is. And he's like cheeky chappy kind of thing. But you kind of know that he's not long for the world in in, in a horror situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thing is, though, I find that, especially in slashers, I find that quite disappointing. 
Oh, because yeah. I like getting invested in the character, and then it's more of a shock when they get off. Oh, You're yeah. Like, oh. Well, you might like the ending of The Suffering in that case. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> it is, a, I think a lot of people have said they're a bit shocked by the ending. So, um, yeah. Obviously, link in the description, folks. Do the thing. <laughs> yes. News out there. You know why you're here. Let's get some support going. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's what we're here for. But uh, yeah, that, that always frustrates me. You know, it's fun sometimes to have the cardboard cutter characters that like mm -hmm. plink, 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 they all get dropped. Yeah. But it's also, I think, when you're invested in the character and you're like, oh, no. Um, some slashers do it the other way, though. They'll keep the annoying character like the second before last. Yeah. Just to wind you up. <laughs> um, yeah. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Oh yeah, did it perfectly. Let's let's find the most annoying character and just in your <laughs> face right to the last moment. You're like, oh come on, you're not going. No, 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 you're not going to do that. No, no. Yeah, finally, yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talking about this was um uh talking of annoying characters. You were kind of inspired by Thirteen Ghosts. Uh huh. On this, uh, God, that actor, what's his name? He played. He was in Scream and played Shaggy. Uh, Matthew Lillard. Yeah, God. I have to Not your favourite. He bugs the life of me. That's a you know the annoying, annoying, typical backward baseball cap wearing American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That just aggravate. That is him. Yeah, there was a lot of that in the nineties and early two thousands. Uh, there wasn't it? It was like bugs the life out of me. <laughs> yeah. Just like, stop. Would you die already? Stop. Just die. And then oh. in that movie, he hadn't even the decency to just die. He came back. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh come on, just. Uh. <laughs> oh, I'm I sure he's a lovely person in real life. Yeah, he seems like a good guy. Whenever he's, uh, <laughs> I need to, like I've, I, I despise the Scream franchise. Oh yeah, not, utterly not despise fun. it. Um, the first one's okay. As one of his own, I don't even remember. I, I've told this story before, but I watched Scream Two in the cinema, and mm. I don't even remember how it ended. I just, I noped out. I switched off. Yeah, like, I always through. mix it up with uh, the scary movies that do it better. They were better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were oh my god! Totally agreed. <laughs> it's bad when a parody gets the essence of what you're trying to say more. Yeah. But they are so good. <laughs> All like the the first three of the scary movies. Are just I, I didn't get so I, like funny. I said. Got halfway through the second one in the cinema, and I actually zoned out. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, and I come out of this and I'm going, what did I watch? I, I don't care. That's yeah. it. And my mate keeps trying to get me in the back and it's like, it's not happening. No, Sorry, I'm, I'm a bit like happening. that. Slashes don't tend to get me all that excited. There's got to be something a little bit, a little bit. Actually, it can be fun. Like, I'm not one to write off like an entire genre completely. Like, mm, slashes can sure. be fun. Yeah, but I mean, like. It's not the bread and butter of horror. No. It's, yeah. And that's, that's people's perceptions as well, don't you think? Um. People see horror as the slasher because that's what Hollywood pushes out most. That's the summer blockbuster type thing. Yeah, I think that's why there is that, you know, feeling of sometimes it, it can be a bit boring and a bit like paint by numbers because that was it. Sort of in the last, you know, certainly about 20 years ago, there were so many that were coming out that were just so predictable. And, you know, you kind of knew where it was going because of the way that they were all following this kind of pattern mm -hmm. and because people were flocking to the cinema to see them and so they just kept on doing it but yep rinse and repeat yeah it's like with superhero movies now like turn, yeah. turn, turn the machine on keep them going out it's like i know i don't think we'll ever get the uh, end game feeling ever again because they just uh, seem to i'd already like switched off before end game 
a dead you? Were you not, yeah, not, just, not feeling after, it anymore? After Infinity War, I was just gradually waning, just, nah, done. Oh, but, but yeah, it's, they are they, they are sort of, I don't think they'll ever hit that peak again, will they? But we shall see. You never know. I hear that uh, the um, uh, the Flash movie's amazing. But... Yeah, I want to watch a pedophile. Like, get I know, this is the only nah, thing, I'm isn't it? That. It's like, I, I'm, it, I hear that the film is absolutely amazing and it's such a shame that they kept him in as the actor. It doesn't they really had enough sense. opportunity. But... Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, it is frustrating. So, when you yeah. think of what they... Uh... What they fired people for, like nothing. Oh, I know. And yeah. They kept that muppet in. I know. It's like, yeah, it's nah, infuriating. But the only way you can explain to these companies is just there's no point getting outraged or ranting about in social media. You just don't go to their movies. Yeah. Buy Andy Horror point. instead. You know, yeah. just saying. <laughs> you know, for the same price you go to the cinema, you could buy two Andy Horror movie books. Yeah. Or you could watch a couple of Andy Horror movies from creators. Exactly. Who would be more than grateful for uh, your support? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Definitely. you could buy your own popcorn for like third the price. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Just saying, the options Absolutely. are. Yeah, Definitely. But on that, uh, yes, the indie scenes exploded. You can, mm-hmm. uh, you can market yourself, but there's tens of thousands of people doing it. Like it's mm-hmm. absolutely flooded. You yeah. become a tiny voice and just a, a great wash of, you know, even in the podcast and whatever. You know, I mean, the, the number of opportunities out there and options people can watch. Mm-hmm. How do you navigate through that to sort of make your voice unique and, you know, find your little mark? Well, um, I was really like terrified of kind of putting myself out there at first and Patrick who runs Wicked House had some really great tips and was always really encouraging to us as the writers just you know get in these groups speak to these people just put yourself out there to people who are like-minded in terms of loving certain aspects of horror and things like that and um so his advice was fantastic um you know and it is just kind of like um just connecting with people who are going to read the book because, you know, like we were talking about before, everyone has the different things that they like. It's not going to be for everybody, but if you mm-hmm. manage to connect with the right audience, then, you know, it, it takes off on it, its own sort of trajectory. Like they carry it along and um, it's, it's really <clears throat> nice to see. Um, like sometimes things will be really effective that you don't expect. Like um, I just happened to mention that the title came from um, a song by Coheed and Cambria and a girl in that group said, oh, you should post it in this group who are like Coheed and Cambria fans. So I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, I don't know if it'll work very well, Um, but I did. And it it just got so much engagement. Like people were just like, oh, brilliant, you know, because it connected with them. Like they love the band, the book's named after a song by the band. And so they Mm -hmm. they were really, really excited for it. And so you just never quite know when you are going to connect with people in a way, you know, you just didn't expect. So, (laughs) yeah. um, One thing we try to explain to people, because this this whole podcast is based on the principle of, we need more creators out there. We need people to step up. We need, mm-hmm. there's a void, like like the Hollywood sludge, we're sick of it. We're sick of like the main publishing houses. Mm-hmm. I always say the epitome of blandness is either the bookshelf at a supermarket or an airport. Yeah. If you want beige blandness, there's the two places you'll find it. Yeah. You'll not find horror section in any of those two. Nope. It just won't happen. But people love scary stories. People love 
the think about the human condition. People love to think about what's out there. You know, it's always been part of the human psyche. We love it. Oh yeah, it's times. And, I mean, fairy tales—they're all yeah. horror, aren't they? So. Absolutely, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's a, the opportunity to fill that void, mm-hmm. and audience as well. It's just a matter of connecting with them and reaching that way out. But something you said there about your content mightn't be for everybody. Mm-hmm. Is that a hurdle you have to get over as any sort of creator? Do you have to recognize that fact first? Yeah, I mean... Is that something you have to, you know, get over or understand? For me, I was just astonished that anyone anyone liked it at all. So I was kind of like, not that... If people didn't like it, I was just like, oh, okay. (laughs) You know, thanks for giving it a try. I think that's the way you've got to be because, I mean, I don't like everything, you know, and and sometimes books are are fantastic, you know, and and do super well. And, you know, it it doesn't really grab me for whatever reason. And so you... I think you've just got to be realistic about it and just think, you know, you don't like every song that comes on the radio. You don't like every film that comes on the TV that everyone seems to love. And, um, you know, everyone just has their own little things that they like and styles that they like and um you know that because that's the beauty of creativity isn't it that you, you can yeah. take it in so many different ways and uh, there consume be it. one book one movie and one song and that would exactly. be the that would be all creativity if everybody <laughs> yeah. liked the same thing and that's what the exactly. that's what the corporations would love wouldn't it because <laughs> they're the most it's funny that the people in charge of creativity like at that level are the most brain dead boring like soulless creatures you can imagine. Yeah. And they would love it to be like that. They love everything just to be painted with beige and blandness and nothing. And maybe that's part of why they perpetuate the hate towards horror. Like, mm-hmm. have you noticed with social media, it's really hard. Like, you're getting shadow banned or outright getting warnings and strikes for nothing. Mm-hmm. And there's yeah. more stuff out there, an actual real life hatred being put out there, yet spooky stories like, oh, you're going against our community standards. What are these community standards? That they're yeah. with. It's, yeah, do you it's, think because it's a challenge to them? Yeah. Like horror in itself is a challenge to people like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, and how is it? Um, a talk yesterday about a hangman. And, and I am on the same tangent as you, don't worry. I'm not like drifting off. But, yeah, um... we love tangents in this show. Ask <laughs> anybody that's on. We love it. That's what it's all about. <laughs> But, um, so he was saying that the when um, they brought in the long drop rather than the short drop, mm-hmm. um, that they knew that the long drop was so much better for ages. Um, but because of the spectacle and because um, like the councillors and everything knew that the people watching this spectacle of people struggling and, you know, taking 20 minutes, half an hour, even more to die. They felt like it was a deterrent. So even though they knew that there were better ways to do things because it drew the crowd and because, Mm -hmm. you know, they had this agenda, um, they didn't change it. And it was only the second when um, the law changed and uh, hangings were taken behind closed doors, Mm -hmm. they immediately brought in the long drop for everybody because, you know, that agenda had gone. And so I think it is, it's when people fight back and say, you know, oh, we're not happy with seeing this same thing over and over again. Or, you know, it is, it's always that big corporation who has a certain thing in mind. And until it's challenged and until it's uh, until it's taken away, unfortunately, they're the ones running the, the show, aren't they? So, yeah. yeah it's, a... it's so easy to change course because once the bottom line gets hit, once the crowds don't turn up, mm-hmm. that's when they change your mind. You can shout and scream all you want. That... Yeah. 
that's not affirmative action as in okay you don't like us then find someone you do like especially in entertainment that's why i don't understand like have you encountered that people are terrified to read a book (laughs) in case they don't like it people are terrified to watch a movie in case they don't like it and you're like Mm -hmm. is this going to end your life yeah are you going to you know are you wasting 20 years you that's the reader you're spending 20 years on a book Mm yeah and and they're afraid of like saying that they don't like it when I don't think there's a a problem with that and you know you are allowed to watch something or consume something and then be like oh no it's not for me but I I agree people are um, there is a little bit of a oh should I say this should I do this and yeah now what I don't like is if somebody just goes that's crap yeah with no don't like that or look brilliant both are just as bad Mm-hmm. Yeah, say, exactly. Say why you like something and say why you don't like something. Exactly. Actually articulate. Now, it doesn't have to be war and peace, paragraph, bunk, paragraph, but mm-hmm. why didn't you like the thing? Yeah. Um, one of the scariest things when I first started doing like the self-promotion and when the book had first come out was mm-hmm. the um, the reviews. And, of course, you've got, you know, Goodreads that, you know, so many people just are there to put their reviews on and they're really good at explaining what it is. But I quickly learned from being in, you know, other author groups and reader groups that the reviews are there for the reader, not for the author. So, you know, it when they are like that and they are all in depth about what they liked and what they didn't like, then the reader can decide whether they want to pick it up and try it. It's, it's nothing to do with the author. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people kind of forget that really. Um, and like there's been all sorts of drama in the writing world and about reviews and things recently. Um, I don't know if you saw that. Um... I try to, um, I genuinely try to stay out of it. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I'm in a, uh, I've actually started whittling down. At one point I was in over 100 groups because oh we had a weekly God. segment where we featured, um, it's kind of died off a bit, but I started getting submissions again. We have a segment called Horrific Tales where we feature a segment from like either the first chapter or yes, like I'm going segment to be book. applying for that because you sent me the link. <laughs> I would release through all those groups, mm-hmm. and the ma- you get some absolute lunatics. Yeah, how dare you promote independent authors? They're all crap. They're all blah blah blah. I'm like, yeah, why are you getting so angry? I'd have people yeah. message me, like direct message me. You're an arsehole. You're this. Oh my god! Really? Like you don't have to watch it. You don't have to read it. Yeah, you know, I'm just putting it up there. I'm not saying this is better than anything else. I'm saying go ahead. Here's you something know. for you. Here's Take it all in. If you're not too sure about the book, here's a taster. Yeah. Um, crack on. And if you enjoy it, please support the, the artist. Mm-hmm. But some of the absolute maniacs I have encountered. So I've just drawn back <laughs> from all these groups because um, I just don't need that in my life. No, exactly. It's uh, it, but that's it. When people are hiding behind a screen, they tend to be oh, a bit bolder, so don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They like, if they things... met me in real life, they wouldn't be so uh, chirpy. I just just put it there, you know. This is I'm it. A bullshit Belfast man, you know. I, mean, <laughs> I just take anyone on. That's just my nature, you know. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't say it to but, your face. <laughs> oh, of course not, and that's what makes it more laughable. Like these people will get brave. Like they won't even do this. You know what I mean, yeah. those sort of people. They'll hide behind an avatar, even if they come on this and do it saying speech. Or they won't even have the guts, they'll do it in the comments. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't take them seriously. But at the same time, though, I want to focus on what I'm doing, my yeah. creativity. I want to focus on, I want to interact with people who are worthwhile, as in mutual support. Yeah. And, you know, get a bit of inspiration. That's, to me, that's a better use of my time. So focus on them sort of idiots. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure you've encountered it as well. You know, you cannot put yourself out there without yeah. encountering someone like that. Have, have you dealt with anyone like that? You know, just so angry and like attacky just for existing? Well, I had, I had a way, not so much yet with the book. I mean, I think, um, you but know, I. People need to. This is your debut novel, but you have written. For quite a long time, I was going to get on that, but this, this isn't your first rodeo. It's not as if you've just come out first time. You have been writing for quite a long time, so you've obviously been in the sphere. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I mean, people haven't been personal with me, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, some people have liked what I've done, some people haven't, but I've never actually had that experience yet of people sort of attacking me in my DMs and things like that. And I'm so it's pleased about it. Oh, but, um, <laughs> but like I have had it on uh, just sort of personal groups. Like um, the other day I commented about how I could hear uh, a guy running like um, a kid's cricket group in the field next to me when I was sat out in my garden. Um, and so I put on like the local group, just like, oh, it's so nice to hear this guy. He's like taking care of the kids and stuff. And a guy in the comments there just started attacking like, oh, back in my day, we'd just look after ourselves kind of thing. And he was just so, so angry about the fact that people were celebrating this man, like being nice to kids in a field. I was just like, this is just weird. Like, why is so that's part of the reason it? why we're in the state we're in because yeah. youth groups are gone there's nobody willing mm -hmm. to uh there's no community anymore yeah and that's what made like if i didn't have the youth groups i was involved in growing up i wouldn't be here now i wouldn't have had the confidence yeah you know it took um i was uh i was in the scouts i was in the cadets uh the duke of embers award if it if i hadn't have done that there's no way i'd have the confidence to sit here and do this no. That's what broke me out of Michelle. Yeah. Somebody actually taking the time and effort to invest in me, now, not just me individually, but you know, a group. I was part of it. Yeah. Somebody taking their time on a voluntary basis to invest in me. And mm -hmm. that's something you can never repay. And I think it's something like you don't hear about it anymore. No, especially with um, you know, it's just kids are on social media glued to the phones all the time and stuff so it's it's kind of like you say it's kind of rare to see like clubs like that just mm -hmm. getting such a big draw of kids as well getting them out of the house and you know getting them exercising and stuff so it was it was just a nice thing there was nothing to be negative about but people still found well this one person found a way to be negative about it and so there's always going to be there's always going to be one isn't there <laughs> mm -hmm. at least but the reason i bring it up it is something you're going to encounter and it's yeah. just me and people are actually afraid of stepping up or creating anything or putting themselves out because they're worried about this backlash or what they'll get and what i'm trying yeah. to say is it's going to happen yeah definitely. but yeah. you can deal with it and you can still be here and crack on yes yeah and that's why i like to hear about everyone's experience it's not so much for me but it's to tell somebody who's maybe hesitant about stepping forward or because of that negativity it's like you're going to get it anyway that's yeah. just the nature by being an achiever in life, but being someone who wants to do something, you're going to get that hatred. And it's nothing yeah. to do with you. It's their own shortcomings is why they get on like that. Because it's yeah. it defies all logic. Mm -hmm. But the thing is just, okay, yeah, okay, mate, you crack on there and just get on with it. Yeah. just And have a laugh about it. That's you know. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, you gotta laugh. It's like we were saying about the uh, the horror <laughs> when you inject a bit of comedy into it. Just <laughs> it's That's the it. best way to do it. Talking about sirs. Uh, oh, by the way, folks, feel free to ask questions because then it mean, makes my job easier. I don't have to think as much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are some of your favorite horror movies or books? Oh, um... you were mentioning obviously King and Counts, the, the stable, but 
Sure. Um, as I said before as well, Richard Lehman, just massive influence on me. Um, movies, I'm a bit of a found footage geek. So like, I love like Hell House okay. LLC is probably oh. my favorite. <laughs> Sorry, I knew that was going to get you. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Oh, you've seen some of these before. Have you seen people dogpiling me to make me watch movies? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, watch this. Call off, it'll change your mind. And then I have to do a review. It's like, screw you guys. You're just torturing me now. And then I watch this. I'll be shitty tired of the movie. And like, why? And everyone's oh. in the chat, but... <laughs> They're not for everybody, that's for sure. Yeah, and then you know what? And they do it deliberately just to wind me up. <laughs> yeah, so sorry anyway, about that. On, I'm sure I'm sure it's a wonderful experience for you, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm a huge fan of um, you know, Hellraiser, Cenobites, obviously, the whole backstories have always been a big influence on me with um, you know, the the style that I like, like all the ghosts having their own we'll, different we'll kind of time periods. Hey. <laughs> uh, we're doing rawhead rex tomorrow. Sorry Ooh. to everyone for that, but we'll have we've got the on the list. Excellent. <laughs> oh, so yeah, but um, so I think Hell House LLC is my favourite, and then mm -hmm. sorry, <laughs> and then um, Hellraiser definitely uh, a close second. Yeah, um, I I was always a fan of James Herbert. He doesn't really get much of a mention. No, that's I true. I think he's a very underrated. Yeah, he's one of the most graphic writers. Yes. Yeah, like, absolutely um, beautiful. So, what he, what he, the scene he did with her hairdryer was just like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's sort of kind of fallen into the old-fashioned kind of how people see it, don't they, with him. So it's, uh, it's a shame, really, because, like you say, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, is another funny one, actually. Uh, he, um, he's not strictly horror. Yeah. He he kind of messes about with things. I'd say he's more dark fantasy. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like sci-fi in there, isn't there? And just yeah, yeah. It's not sort of strict, strict horror. But but when he goes yeah. there, he goes there hard. Oh. You know, he doesn't mess about. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. He's good. <laughs> so with your writing, because uh, as I was going to say, you're although this is your debut novel, and one thing I like want to talk about as well. Uh, we'll broach on up is how you sort of got writing because there's different avenues and people think that has to be the novel first before they do anything mm. but you've submitted the multiple anthologies as i said and you've been featured in magazines and various publications mm. was that beneficial for you in terms of getting that sort of okay i've actually been able to do it and put something out there without stressing for 10 years over that one idea yeah, or was definitely. it just opportunity? How did that sort of come about from when you just started to pen the paper, so to speak? And well, it was sort of, like that. it was that feeling of kind of like wanting to build a CV, really. You know, when you go for any kind of job, it's handy if you can say, well, this is my experience and here's this, this, this and this. So I was always kind of aware that submitting to anthologies and actually getting short stories out there would be really good Um not just for the experience for me um, and to improve my writing with the feedback if you're lucky enough to get it um, and, you know, working with editors uh, when they do take them on. I mean, you, you just learn so much. It's invaluable. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, and so, yeah, it was just about kind of while I'm waiting and hoping for this massive ultimate goal, which is, you know, the big novel at the end of it. But mm. if in the meantime I can just keep on chipping away and try and get in these publications, um, and just, you know, like you say, get yourself out there a bit and, uh, and network. I mean, networking with people through 
um, doing that kind of thing is really, really useful as well. Um, like getting in the negative space anthologies, they've been brilliant. Um, Eric, who runs those, has just been so helpful. And mm-hmm. um, the people at the Dread Machine, they've been fantastic. And so you just kind of, you know, you, you meet different people through kind of putting yourself out there and trying to get into these things along the way um, until, um, yeah, hopefully you, you get that end goal as well. But it's all been fantastic. Like I've, every time you get into something like that, you just think, oh, mm-hmm. my goodness, <laughs> that's amazing. I can't believe they picked it out of, you know, so many submissions and stuff that they must get. So it's a it's a nice confidence boost as well when when you get into things like that. Cool. It's an important thing, though, because obviously rejection is part of all this. Oh, yeah. Not everything's <laughs> going to make it. How do you pick yourself up and push on? Well, I've only ever wanted to be a writer. And so, you know, I, I never had any other kind of ones, you know, when my friends were kind of like being, you know, training to be nurses and, you know, hairdressers, whatever, you know, things that they would wanted to do since they were a kid. I just never had anything like that except for being a writer. So time was marching on and marching on. And I, I, I did have that. Oh, my God, is this ever going to happen? Um, you know, it's like you say, rejection after rejection. It's, it's not even getting a call back for people to read the whole thing. You know, you, you send off your chapters in a synopsis and and nobody seemed interested at all. So I really was very despondent about um, the suffering. Even up to the month before um, I submitted it to Wicked House, I was just thinking mm-hmm. this is dead. This is dead in the water. Nobody wants it. Um, it's never going to get published. I'm going to have to go back to the drawing board. Um but there is that little voice in your head that's just like, if you don't keep on doing it, you're definitely never going to never gonna get there. And it's, like I say, the only thing I've ever wanted. And um, as soon as it got picked up, it was like a ton of bricks had just been lifted off me because it was like this one goal that I'd always just felt kind of things were incomplete, even though, mm-hmm. you know, no matter how happy my home life is, no matter how great other things are it was always this big thing that was missing that just mattered so much um and so once when it's there it's just like oh wow that's that's it then so that's, <laughs> that's the thing about being a creative don't you think it's mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what about your life it's that urge you want to like i still haven't said what i want to do when i grow up you know yeah like, that out. <laughs> but i know i personally have this urge to put something out there and it's not even for ego or fame like there's a hundred ways. If you want fame, you can. There's a hundred ways to do it. So much easier yeah. than sitting down writing a novel for over a year a bit, and that's mm-hmm. not even counting the editing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but is it that desire? Like it's not going to go away. Now you've got the suffering out. That's definitely not going to go away. That that's just part of your persona. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. It's like I think. Because like when I was a little kid, I used to read Judy Bloom books and I remember seeing an interview with her and she just said, I don't write because I want to, I write because I have to. And it kind mm-hmm. of resonated with me that that when you do have that urge, um, you know, that you just, you can't rest and relax and, um, you know, you always feel like there's a story going on in the back of your head that needs to come out. And um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, you can't say no to it really can you <laughs> no no it's, it's it's all part of it and that's something um when you discover you just embrace it and yeah. so you said it's you've always wanted to be a writer when did you first discover that was it that was your thing um if, honestly for as long as I can remember um like my mum was always very into reading with us and so we'd sort of sit there as little kids um you know with a book on our laps and um so that was 
a really strong experience when I was growing up that books were really very important um and then I just loved I, I was always fascinated by how the individual writers had put this thing across and how they'd conveyed the character and and the way the dialogue was written. I just always found it really interesting. And um, I mentioned on a, I was chatting to uh, someone the other day and I can remember when we had an assignment in primary school to write out um, a story and mm. I'd been watching the Blues Brothers and I took like the whole car chase blues scene. Brothers. Yeah, and I took the car Come chase watch scene. the Blues Brothers. <laughs> I, I love that. The, 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 the cop car. But I like wrote it out. I was so mm -hmm. fascinated with just translating this scene that I loved onto a page. And I was like a ki little kid, like really small. Just the, I don't know what the teacher must have thought about me when I just <laughs> handed this in. Um, this don't look like no expressway to me, <laughs> you know. But I, yeah, it, it was just something I was always fascinated with. And um, yeah, I've just always enjoyed doing it since. But with thankfully, I've got the kind of brain where the it's like a film in my head and the characters kind of show me what they're doing and I just I just write mm -hmm. follow them around and write it down <laughs> yeah how hard is it the that's one thing I struggle with are characters I'm more of an ideas and concepts person oh okay and that's where my brain kind of goes sometimes I think characters get in the way I know I said I love to <laughs> that's why I love to get invested in characters because it's such an alien concept to me mm -hmm. about the person sometimes I'm like I don't want to know about you. I want to know about the monster. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to know about the otherworldly realm that the monster comes from. Right, mm -hmm. you, you Muppets are getting them away. Would you hurry up and get killed already so I can get the where I want to go? But that Just doesn't seem to be down. the way. Yeah, no one else seems to think that way, which um, is very, very strange. Oh, um, I don't know. I, I enjoy, um, you know, creating characters. I tend to... Um, if an idea sort of comes into my head, I'll like stew on it for a while before I actually write it. And it's like these little scenes will come into my mind and um, like I'll get an idea of how they talk and how they dress and how they kind of come across. And it just, it kind of like ruminates for a little while until they are this kind of full person in my head and the scenes are kind of like playing out how they would interact with each other. And so I can just kind of like quickly get it down, but mm -hmm. one only once it's kind of like, completely a, a full form picture I don't know it's, it's a bit strange but I always say that I always come up with ideas when I'm trying to relax so like I'll just jump in the bath and I'll be all set in my bubbles with my glass of wine and then it's like ah, oh, I've thought of the best scene I need to get out and <laughs> so it's like you just don't get a second to yourself I think when uh, when when you've got like a writer brain because they're just constantly chipping away at you especially when yeah. you uh, were well, I, uh, I think that's creative in general but how do you how do you strike that balance because I know even just doing this podcast alone, it's all consuming. You're always, and you almost feel guilty if you're not either working on it, creating content, if you're not planning content, like yeah. you feel like you're wasting your time. Once you're in the zone, if that makes sense, but you need to uh, set time aside to like do the mundane stuff. You need to, uh, obviously, no one, uh, don't want to talk about your family situation or anything, and you know, none of my business sort of thing, but you know, you still need to make time for family and friends. Yeah, um, sure. And other things, but how do you strike that balance? How do you stop it, like taking over? Um, I mean, it is hard because I think you'll be the same that when you're in a group of people or you, you know, you're trying to sort of you sat in a bar or a cafe or something, and you just 
can see people who'd make perfect characters and and things like that so I think you've always got half your brain is like on your book mm-hmm. at the moment isn't it so it's really hard to give anybody 100% engagement when you're in the middle of it and you're writing stuff Um, I mean that's that's another thing since um you know it, it was published it was that kind of oh I can take a break now and so like when it's been really sunny um I've just been sat in the garden reading and not feeling guilty because I think that's a huge thing about it when mm-hmm. you're in the middle of a writing project every time you've got a spare minute you feel like if you're not working on it then it's a waste and you know you're never going to get there and so you just you exhaust yourself I mean yeah, that's I, how burnout happens isn't it exactly and I've, I've been there with it because you just can't you don't feel like you can give yourself a break um but yeah it's uh taking these few weeks now to just kind of look at the promo like I haven't I've been writing a little bit but I haven't sort of thrown myself in again uh the way I did with with that because it it has just been nice to take a bit of a breather like you say and just Mm -hmm. catch up on uh on life a little bit (laughs) yeah and also you don't have to just always be like coming on here we've talked about about your book but it's not just about that you know Mm -hmm. that'll be a very short interview about five minutes long yeah (laughs) bad great Okay, bye. You know, <laughs> we may make much for a conversation. No. Uh, which, once again, it's back to that finding other avenues and being able to like pull back and switch you off. That's mm-hmm. also how people get to know you and then they get interested in your work. Hopefully. But there's some folks that just can't do that. Yeah. And we, we all know those type of people. We've seen them. Mm-hmm. They post 100 times a day. Yeah. They'll, they'll DM you. They'll. Mm-hmm. They just become an absolute nuisance, and I think anyone that's remotely conscientious doesn't want to be that person. Yeah, definitely. Do you think definitely. that lends into part of the fear of actually doing it as well? The you, you don't want to be that person. Oh so yeah, like, definitely. Um, I mean, you you've got to show as much of an interest in other people's books and other people who are reading the books as you do in your own um because then you can get that balance but when it is all just about your projects and you're sharing links you know your amazon link with everything that you say it's just irritating you know people mm-hmm. people don't want to it's it's like if you were in a workplace and you just kept walking up to them and showing them something that you were working on it's like <laughs> that's not how it works i have worked with people like that me <laughs> me 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 yeah and it's just an instant turn off, isn't it? Like nobody, it stops people. Even if people had been like, oh, this book sounds interesting. I'll, I'll check it out. If they are doing that and throwing it in your face all the time, you just think, oh, maybe. God, they're just, um, this person who shall be unnamed, but they're a director. And somehow they decide they're going to be my best buddy. This was oh. not so long ago. And they were spending all their time, like, you know, this whole notion of, these superhero CEOs that are up at four o'clock in the morning, run a marathon, write a novel, like create 50 seminars, then they go to work. Yeah. And work the midnight and sleep for 20 minutes and then they do it all over again and they're just superhuman. This and then go to this. the gym. <laughs> of course, the, the, well, you know what I mean? They're on the treadmill while they're on the Zoom meetings, you know, because yeah. that's what they're doing, you know. Um, and this person was doing that to me. Oh, yeah, and I don't take lunch because I'm doing this and they're drinking water constantly because they're hungry because they're trying to put on this fake persona I'm like, mm-hmm. i don't care and the, the last about a week and a half of me and then they're broke and then they're fitting eating all day and stuff and <laughs> uh that and i'm just like why are you wasting time being like that that's just pointless in fact i think less of you now in fact i think you're quite a, a bit of a joke yeah <laughs> by getting all the cat <laughs> it's like there's something missing isn't it it's like they're they're not 100 happy 
in what they're doing and that's why they're just constantly trying to justify it maybe and so there, there is that it, it doesn't seem quite so authentic does it when people no, are, and it's, are like that. and we'll see that and we'll see the difference I think between a true creator and someone who's just jumping on a bandwagon mm. and writing groups seeing you mentioned it we get so many you know the ones that have an idea they haven't uh They've no, they've no intention of publishing, let's be honest. They're never going to write anything, but they're in every writer's group you can imagine, and they're giving their opinions and doing this, but they've got an idea, and it's going to be better in all yours. And Yeah. If you'd spend less time on that and just get on with it. Yeah, you'd have done it by now. <laughs> I've done a hundred times over. It's just, what is it about compulsions with people like that? I just can't get my head around it. No, it's, uh, it's strange. It's, I guess it, it goes back to that thing of, if there is something missing, I suppose, like maybe they're too scared to do it, but just talking about it makes them feel like it's happening kind of thing. I don't know, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's sad. You just kind of, you want them to just get off the computer and get typing and <laughs> get it done. I was actually talking to a mate. It was uh, when we do our segment at the end of the month, like a horror catch up and review a movie. I'd accidentally switched my Wi-Fi off and didn't notice because oh, <laughs> it was no. a nice day. No, but I didn't notice because it, it was a nice day. And until I actually went to go online, I wasn't, my phone's uh, thrown somewhere, you know, sitting on a table and I just faffing about doing the things. Mm-hmm. And it was only when I switched on my computer, I went, oh, no internet. But those sort of people, I think they they could never do that. Yeah, they break. I didn't notice straight away. I think I'd notice straight away. <laughs> oh, just it's, because um, uh, you've got to be honest. Maybe I'm just an older generation that grew up before the internet, understands oh. how great it was when it came Just in and the usefulness. A bit of freedom. <laughs> but I, I'm thankfully lucky that I can still switch off. Yeah. Because I, I pity anyone that, you know, like would get, like almost like a drug addict getting DTs or something, you know, that lose their connection. Yeah, it is. It's like, uh, you know, when people say it's like, if you lose your phone, it's like the panic and the, the, the dread of it. Ugh. Thing is, I've had a mobile phone from the nineties. Had one of the old Motorola's. Oh, I was a fucking yeah. brick, and I had a little case, and I put kept it on my belt. Problem is, that <laughs> phone got left everywhere. Every time I was in the bar, that phone ended up in the because t- it was too heavy to hang on my belt. So eventually, I ended up on the table, and then obviously, you know, one or two pints later, maybe more, but you know, shh. <laughs> um, yeah, I was staggered out, and then well, where's my phone? And then I had to maybe <laughs> yeah, call and, so, and especially my local <laughs> I was like. Yes, Colin, you left it again. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. <laughs> oh, it would but, be gone if you did that nowadays. Oh, it wouldn't God, be yeah. handing behind the bar. <laughs> no, and people would actually fall. If people did that with their phone now, I've seen it, to actually go into fits. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell? I, I don't get it. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm in a um, So you're writing... Um, do you have one particular style or genre? Like I know obviously this latest one's paranormal, but that's not all you do. Do you look at other like horror tropes or horror subgenres? Especially with submissions, do you stick the ones that's within your lane or are you always trying to branch out? Yeah, I think um like that's another reason why I like uh, the submissions actually, when they've got a bit of a theme. Um, because then maybe you'd sort of do something that you wouldn't have thought about. Um, so yeah, I'm always up for I think I think I always kind of sound very similar and, and sound the same in my writing. And there's mm-hmm. always like like say a bit of 
you know. So have you a strong ready um, voice? I think so. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, I think I think you can tell it's me. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, just uh, I like to sort of be challenged, I guess. If, if there is a, um, I mean, th- there are certain things that I'll steer away from. I've never been that uh, good at writing like cosmic horror or things like that. So mm-hmm. I, it, that's not the kind of thing that would, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily jump on that. Um, but yeah, it's I'm always up for being stretched. Maybe one day I'll I'll do some cosmic. But that's really because we've got Brotherhood of the Dice on here. That's uh, uh he lets me hunt his channel on the Wednesdays for a Call of Cthulhu group. Let's oh. <laughs> cause chaos. His <laughs> channel still there. <laughs> for some reason, even after the first couple of times, still invites me back. I'm like, oh, okay, mate, you're. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're right. oh, it's that's amazing. Cosmic horror. We, um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I I love that. Uh, maybe that's. I'm not a big fan of paranormal, but cosmic horror—the <laughs> idea of that other realm seeping in, yeah—and you know, just hungry, waiting to just eat everything, and you're just that nothing and meaningless, and you're just a snack to some eldritch being that's you know been around millions of years before you and be millions of years after, and nothing you do will make a difference. Yeah, you know it's that's terrifying. Absolutely, you know that's. Uh, but it's not the easiest genre. It's definitely not the easiest to put no. on screen. Definitely. Like, I, I just can't do it. I love it. I, like, enjoy it. But I just can't write it. I'm just terrible mm-hmm. at it. So, yeah, props to anyone who can. It's uh, it's not easy. Um, like... me, I, I grew up with fantasy writing. Mm-hmm. But the thought of putting, you know, the year, like, I've I'm sort of working on something at the moment, but it just becomes more monumental because... Mm-hmm. I'm not having to do historical research. And every time I get to a certain point, I'm like, I'm going to do more research and spend more t- research and actually writing down. And it's just becoming frustrating. Yeah, just getting bogged down in it. Yeah, and it's just overwhelming. Like, am I ever going to get through this? Yeah. And I keep imagining every so often, but it's never, I, I just feel like it's never going to come to be because the more you realize the detail you have to have to get it right, the more you're sort of putting yourself under pressure. So that's my sort yeah. of bug fantasy or like, fantastical realms where you have to actually get into the mechanics oh that's it because it's so the more you go into it and the more in depth you get with it the more you can trip yourself up or forget Mm -hmm. a lead that led somewhere else and then so something later on doesn't make sense so you have to backtrack over the whole thing and yeah it's uh, really difficult to do well because there is so much to it yeah good but everyone has their own challenges i suppose um yeah i can never find myself well actually i did write a Romantic comedy, or sorry, romantic movie, uh, story, but it was horror. <laughs> but I couldn't see myself doing a traditional Mills and Boone type thing because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's uh, completely turns you up. So, I suppose, uh, fine, I'll not keep you too long. I know I promised that we can keep you all night. <laughs> that is all right. I, just, I, feel like, I think the sun's gone down. I feel like I'm sat here in pitch black. Can yeah, you still well, see well, me? <laughs> Shall I put a lamp on? Am I oh, just sure, like you want, yeah. black blob? Yes. Um, where are I? There we go. Yeah, it's happening. Once I've started off, and it's like <laughs> mid afternoon, and it just starts getting dark, and then next thing you're like, "Oh, right, okay." Yeah, I just am I just like this black square now that nobody <laughs> can see. <laughs> um, but no, that's a bit better. Bright light, bright light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, like that's what I, said. I love going on tangents and stuff, but. Uh, What's next in the pipeline then? Obviously, you're taking a bit of a break. You're focusing on this, but eventually, I'm sure you'll you'll start getting the itch again, like uh, time to create. Have you anything sort of you've 
got a mind or is it yes. just wait and see? Oh, you do, right? I do. I've got a couple. Can you um, tell us about spoilers? Yeah, yeah, I can. Um, so I'm definitely hoping to do um, the suffering too. Uh, so going into the ghosts and the history and everything a bit more because um, a lot of people have said to me as well, like it would have been lovely to get a bit more about the ghost history and that was my intention but there's mm-hmm. only so much word count and so I had to I ended up having to take so much out um but I have got such big histories for the ghosts that I can't wait to kind of delve into in future so hopefully there'll be a, a second suffering coming up at some point um but then I've also been working on um like a little sort of creepy urban legendy kind of story about um an experiment into you know when you you close your eyes and then you can see like uh, shapes and colors and things mm-hmm. under your eyelids so it's like um, a student's university experiment into really focusing on uh, the stuff that comes behind your eyelids but it's actually they end up pulling out well a demon basically demons through it so you'd love it hopefully I think it was like cosmic horror well yeah I guess it kind of that is. sounds very sort of color out of space type um mention it oh god maybe i better maybe ah, I'll rethink gotcha. and not do it <laughs> i'll see that's that out the window yeah that's like you just challenge yourself You're like hey, i'll never do that oh god i got it dude i know yeah i hadn't thought of that damn yeah, that's cool yeah. um one of the one of the type workers sort of saying i mentioned him earlier but weave world um starts off with two skysers necking a rug and it turns out it has his own universe and a carpet and you're like how the hell did you come up with that, you mad man? Yeah. <laughs> so you could have you could have something like people under the stairs behind your eyelids, you know, and just Well, exactly. <laughs> Maybe they can interconnect and Yeah, we shall see. We shall see yeah, how, it, sounds how interesting. it goes. But yeah. But it's amazing how a simple idea like that can just grow and become its own beast and mm. yeah. Well that's it, because I was thinking, um, what's the creepiest thing for me? And I really struggled sleeping. Um, And so it is those moments where you just kind of like half in, half out of sleep where your mind's just wandering and, you know, everything feels a lot scarier than it would do if it was daylight. And um, it's those moments of thinking, if someone had read about this, you know, focusing on this light that you get behind your eyelids, you can't help but think about it when you go to bed afterwards. So I was just thinking, yeah, that's something that will hopefully get inside people's heads and really creep them out. So, yeah, sleepless nights. That's uh, if if people have sleepless nights, I guess I'm doing my job right. So <laughs> fingers yeah, crossed. Yeah, I, I can do that myself. Just a stupid brain just doesn't well, switch off. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I love. See, I'm really jealous of those people that can put their head in the pillow <gasps> and they're just like out to go, and yeah. then they're up in the morning all refreshed, and I'm still like. Yeah, I'm like a zombie in the mornings. I, that's oh. why I have to have like a rigid um, setup. You know, I know where my keys, my wallet, I know where my clothes are hanging up, I know where my lunch is because I have to like go rhythmically. All you have to do in the morning to mess me up is move my shoes. That's it. Oh. I'm, I'm totally destroyed because I don't sleep properly. And... No, I'm the same. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a creative thing that you just constantly <laughs> you can't switch it off, can you? Yeah, um. I've yet to have somebody with the answer. No, like... Like, I've yet to have somebody go, how do you... And it's all about a battle. Everyone says, yeah, I try this, I do that, I have to force myself to do X, Y, or Z. But it never works 100%. No. You're always fighting against yourself. Mm -hmm. But would you be anything else, though? No. No, definitely not. (laughs) It's worth it. (laughs) 
could you picture yourself just being somebody who like soap operas every night or watches the news or just goes about and not actually put anything out there um would it would it be any sort of life oh that's such it's an interesting question it would be an easier life wouldn't it easier in a way i guess but like we were saying before when you've constantly got that the only thing that you've ever been interested in doing is that would it be easier if you never did it i don't know it's uh it'd be less stressful but Mm -hmm. then maybe the stress of you know always having that voice that's not getting answered in your head of you know you should be doing this this is you know your creative brains kind of screaming at you all the time like do this do this and and you're not getting to do it I, I guess that might be even more stressful I think that's uh it's something that we're just stuck with isn't it <laughs> yeah just um Eastern ways just uh I don't know I can uh sometimes uh, I'm sort of a bit envious of people that just don't do anything and just go about life but yeah. I know it's not I just know that I wouldn't be happy. Yeah, exactly. And as much as I beat myself up and I get frustrated and I never feel like I'm good enough. Yeah. And I'm always trying to push the next level and punishing myself where I could just coast along. You know, you know like a person that goes to the work workplace and they just coast along and do the bare minimum. Yeah. Yeah. And it's they, not possible when you do They yourself, don't have any it? stress. <laughs> Yet you're the one that the boss is always at. Because you produce the goods and you always seem to be the one who ends up at the knife edge because you produce the goods. Yeah. And you watch these people and just go along. Part of me wants to be like them, but also I couldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't exactly. be It's part of the eternal struggle, isn't it? Exactly. I think when you've got that kind of brain, there's just no switching it <laughs> off. Like even when you're on holiday, you know, you're never on holiday from your brain, are you? It's always there. So <laughs> Yeah, like that's something else. I can't just go on holiday. No, I can't. I can never. I've, I tried it once. See the resort holiday, mm-hmm. the typical holiday to Tenerife or something. I can't do that. No, I hate it. A, I'm done. I have to go to an event. So if it's like if it's like a geeky event or something, it doesn't matter where what random place it is. That's why I'm going on holiday because I'm going yeah. to that. Or if I've got me friends that we're meeting up, and we're going to do something. That's my holiday. Mm-hmm. Or whatever weird ho- like I love weird hobbies. So I've done everything from, like I said, role playing the LARP and runner and rubber swords of martial <laughs> arts, you name it. So that's my holiday as I go away for a week or something and do that, immerse myself in it, but I just can't do that. Mm-hmm. Go away and do nothing. Yeah, can't sit by a pool and just oh, switch God, off because I've, it never switches I off. That. I tried that and honestly, uh, I start getting, no, I start getting sweaty and then I'm going, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> I can't read because I'm not, you know, I'm out in the sun yeah properly so i'm not enjoying myself and when I, you know eating and drinking is fine but if i'm just sitting there eating and drinking and i'm not engaging or yeah. having conversations or you know that sort of stimuli mm-hmm. what well, uh, you know i just can't do it it's like sports when i was younger i couldn't watch sports but I like playing them oh, okay so like uh grew up massive rugby fan so uh but playing, not watching, like, no, nah, I just can't, you know, going to the stadium and just watching a game, I'll just like, nah, because I want to get stuck in, but my, obviously my body tells me different now, you know, it's like, no fat yeah. boy, get back in your seat, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> oh, so you didn't follow a team on TV? I follow, or obviously my home team, Ulster, you know, I follow yeah. them, but um, 
but didn't enjoy it when you were watching it. <laughs> I was all right. And obviously, if I went out with a couple of friends, we were like more like having a laugh than actually just sitting watching the game. But I just yeah. wanted to get on and play. <laughs> you know, that's just, uh, I think that's part of the creative process, isn't it? Mm hmm. You don't want to. You don't want to consume. You don't want to just sit and be a, an audience member. Yeah, you want to be working on your own thing. You want to get stuck in there, like, uh, like I, I love I watch a lot of movies, but I watch movies now to review them. Yeah. So I've watched more movies now in the last three years, even though I used to go to the cinema every week. But uh, I'll find myself watching a movie because I'm going to do something with it. I'm not just going to watch for the sake of it and then switch off. Mm -hmm. I always find as well that when you're a creative you're always thinking when you're watching a movie or whatever like oh well if this was me who was doing it this is what would happen so there's never really any surprises because you kind of you plot it out as if you're the one who's writing it so there's only a couple of ways it could go and so you kind of you never you, you never switch off that voice that's just like well if I was writing this I would do this 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 and this because mm -hmm. that's the only way it could be and <laughs> so. yeah it doesn't mean it's better or worse it's just that's the that's the way you're geared exactly um, yeah Somebody who really bugs the life out of me is uh, George R. R. Martin. Oh, really? <laughs> he is such an arrogant, uh, so full of himself. And it's when he talked about, oh, I, I'm such a, uh, a super intellect. I'm better than everybody else. And when he started slagging off The Sixth Sense. Yeah. Which at the time, you know, brilliant movie. Mm -hmm. And it was a good twist. Yeah, there were hints, but he's like, I figured it out within five minutes. And we wrote it down. Both my wife and I, we knew exactly what was going to happen. He's like, mate, you're a nurse. <laughs> yeah, and then look at the state. Of, hey, here, George, have you done Winds of Winter yet? Hey, come on, mate. How's it going? <laughs> Get off your trampoling, you wasteless face. <laughs> but have you ever encountered writers like that to just or creatives that are just so arrogant and up Pick their own it. backside? Yeah, but they're um, insufferable. It's uh, it takes it, I can't imagine being that confident, really. <laughs> I think it's um, but as a confidence <laughs> or as it overcompensation, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's like similar thing as those keyboard warriors, isn't it? Where it's like, what, mm -hmm. what is the goal here? What, why are you being so, you know, unpleasant? What's it, what are you gaining out of it, kind of thing? <laughs> like, does are you terrified of other people's success? Do you think if somebody else succeeds, that it's going to tear you down and destroy your world? No, no. I mean, I've never, I've, I've never really been that competitive. Like, um, <laughs> my best friend's super competitive, and and I'm just not. And it's like my brain's just not really wired that way I just don't it's like if you do well then ace you know good for you and uh, mm -hmm. it doesn't really have any bearing on me apart from like you know I'm happy to see it and I'll be proud of you or whatever but it, it doesn't no I don't have that kind of like competitive oh I wish I wish you'd fail kind of thing because I want to be Weird. at the top it's just yeah it doesn't really compute with me at all I think that's why I'm terrible at self-promotion as well because I'm just I don't have that need to beat other people yeah exactly like you're you're only against yourself at the end of the day and yeah it's am I better than was last year exactly yeah um, that's all that matters is this idea I have gonna come in even if nobody watches it um you know is it going to come into fruition? Say I have a, an idea for a segment or something. It's more about that idea and putting it together. Yeah. And seeing if it works. And it's not about... To... Yeah, like, and it's not about, oh, this person may have covered this topic. I've got to kind of beat everything that they did. And it's just about how can I do it my way? And how can I do it the way I want to that's authentic to me and that will come across to my audience? It doesn't matter what they've done. And, you know, it's not about beating anybody else. It's just about, you know 
making yourself happy in, in, in what you're doing, isn't it? That's the most important that's thing. That's... Yeah, and I just wonder, because a lot of those people do fall hard. Mm. You know, that they, they don't just um, fade away gracefully. They, they fall hard because of that strange compulsion. But yeah. we've all got them, I suppose. It's just uh, how we cope with it. But do you ever worry you become that sort of person? Is there any red flags that you're like, oh, dear, need to step back? Have you found yourself maybe just with the need to self-promote and, you know, feeling the obligation to do it? Have you um, taken yourself to that brink where you're like, oh, dear, right, okay, better better step back? No, I mean, like like I say, I mean, my personality type isn't, it, it's not, that's not really there. I have, like, had moments, like, when it, when, um, it was first out, I was getting super stressed um, about, like, rankings and where mm-hmm. it was. And so then you'd have that moment of, like, oh, why are they there? You know, and uh, why are they doing so much better than me? But it wasn't like uh, they shouldn't be. It was like, oh, you know, why? Just why? <laughs> why can't yeah, I be I there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So it wasn't like, oh my god, I wish to tear them down and and be up there instead. It was like, what are they doing that I'm not? Kind of thing. And because, um, yeah, it was it was a bit wild that first couple of months before you know it, it sort of took off and and got its own little trajectory going, which is so mm-hmm. lovely. Um, so, is yeah. this the first of you doing this? Because I know you've obviously submitted, but have you sort of left it to like when you submit to an anthology? Have you kind of went, oh well, I've done it. They're going to take care of all that, and really, it's not been a factor. I mean, with the anthologies, I mean, it, it goes out there and, and you do share it a bit, don't you, and sort of tweet about it. But I think with with it being something that's so permanent and it is your thing, like your baby now, isn't it? Having mm-hmm. a book out there and it, so it is on your shoulders to to get it up there and keep it up there. And so, yeah, you do have to kind of keep your, uh, keep your eye on the prize, I guess, and um, mm-hmm. just keep on pushing it and keep on hoping that it reaches the right people kind of get it in front of them but not too much <laughs> as we were talking about before um, at the end of the day. exactly like not not uh, shove it down people's throats and <laughs> but still kind of hopefully people people will discover it and uh, and enjoy it so yeah it's been yep. really nice few months just seeing it like people's reaction to it when it's positive it is it's like nothing else it's amazing well you're not going to shove it down people's throats, but I am, right? All <laughs> using the chat, I'm watching and the various streams. Get it, okay? Links in the description. Go on to Michelle's website. Check out other stuff as well. And, uh, you know, if you do bad and read it, leave a review. Share it to some others. You know, that's a big thing as well. Um, that all helps the algorithm. The algorithm's a flipping beast in itself. It's a, I'm surprised nobody's written a horror story yet about the algorithms of social <laughs> yeah. media because they are uh the most evil creations in the world um it's like terminator like skynet type stuff that hates humanity and hates (laughs) creators because it's like a demonic force that punishes you if you don't uh complete the right ritual so help help cast a spell you know leave a leave a star review it doesn't have to always be five stars you know be realistic leave it doesn't doesn't have to be like paragraphs like a full author review just i really liked it i like this aspect of it it's that simple but most importantly, you know, show support. If you haven't, if you're not financially able at the moment, at least share the links and get the word out there. That's how we get people like Michelle known to folks. Share this episode too, if you don't mind. You know, let people get to know Michelle and help us out as well. You know, always appreciated. But thank you very much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. 
Oh, thank you. I've had a blast. And, it's been great. Definitely wish you the best with this, uh, this novel. I hope it uh, just really takes off and gives you confidence to carry on because that's, you know, it's no easy thing. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, no worries. And everyone else, thanks for tuning in. Um, great to see everyone in the chat as well um, contributing. Thanks for your questions. And uh, as always, keep up the date with the channel, do the tidy clicky things. And until next time, keep it creepy, keep it horrific.